My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to... Ouch, I just hit my elbow on the wall. <laughs> anyway, welcome to episode 98 of Legally Clueless. I need to stop being so animated with my gestures. <laughs> Ow my elbow oh my god listen if this is your first time listening to the podcast i'm really happy that you are part of the tribe now you can find us on instagram at legally clueless podcast and then on twitter first and foremost thank you to everyone who shares something they've learned on the podcast on twitter refers the podcast to other people on there it's ah, the love is so out of this world and it's so affirming i wish (laughs) You knew how affirming it is to me. So on Twitter, please use the hashtag Legally Clueless. I like to thank and interact with each and everybody tweeting about the podcast. This episode has such a powerful story coming up. However, it talks about growing up in a violent home. So a lot of domestic violence and things like that, which I do know could be triggering to some. So in case you are not in the space to listen to that, you may want to hold off on listening to this episode until later. But here is a snippet of the story that's coming up later in the episode. I was five. I remember this night I woke up and there was so much commotion in my house. My dad is bald, so I could see where he's bleeding, like a deep cut on his head. And he told me that mom is trying to kill me. And I remember that evening we had guests, so we had to act like nothing happened. The night I woke up and my dad had poured like hot water on my mom and she was screaming. I looked at her and asked her like, how insecure do you have to be to tell your own child these things? We are going to go to the police station. We are going to sign that I am no longer your guardian. When I'm done signing, I'm told, all right, give me your phone, your watch, remove your shoes. I'm like, why? So they are taking my stuff and they threw me in a cell and they locked it. My relationship with my parents is just off. I call them if I have to and I can say I don't like my parents. That's a story by Miriam and it's coming up a little later in this episode. I do hope that you've had a good week since we last chatted. (laughs) look at me forcing myself into your life no but seriously i do hope that you have good energy around you i've had a really great week however i my work ethic (laughs) is still a bit slow (laughs) even though i have deadlines (laughs) i'm just like whatever we'll get to it but other than that procrastination i'm doing pretty well And I was just thinking about it. This has been the best January I have ever had. I think it's because of two things. One, my mindset. My mindset has completely changed in terms of time. So I know time is something that humans constructed in order for there to be order, efficiency, for things to be easier to compartmentalize, for all of us to coordinate with each other easier. I get it. But I'm not going to allow time to compartmentalize my energy so let me break that down a bit so you know how towards the end of the year some of us will feel like exhaustion we're tired we're just like we just need this break and then come january 1st you're like yes new beginnings new year new me blah 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 i just will not give time the power to compartmentalize my energy not in terms of months or years like that excitement i have on january 1st I should be able to have it in August, in February, in May. You know what I mean? It's not dependent on 
new year, new me. You could also think about it from like days of the week and how we think it's normal that Mondays it's okay to be down and sad because you're like, oh, it's the beginning of the week, back to work. And then Thursdays and Fridays, you come alive, Saturdays as well. And then Sunday, towards the end of Sunday, you're like, oh, no, man, Monday's coming. That's not normal. (laughs) And I say this, having been that person, especially when I was at a job that I hated, Sundays used to be so sad for me, especially after 2 p.m. I used to be so sad. Mondays as well. I feel like I only used to come to myself emotions and energy wise on Thursday and Friday because I knew I get a break from this office. But that's not normal. Like all of that, all of that is not normal. So I think I mentioned it in a couple of podcast episodes ago where I'm trying to just have the same energy throughout and feel it throughout. Not saying that I'm positive all day, every day. Like there are times certain things happen that make me sad. I'll feel it. I'll feel the sadness. I'll feel the anxiety. I'll feel not only positive emotions, but I'm not going to let time have the power to compartmentalize my energy. Okay, so that's one reason I think I've enjoyed this January. Hey, because comparing to the other ones, way, 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 way. <laughs> January used to be such a dark month. The second thing is healing. Ah, honestly. It's like I've graduated module one of therapy. It took me 10 years, but I feel in me as though I've graduated. 10 years of intentional healing of therapy, crazy work on myself has gotten me here. Not to say that I am 100% at the mecca of self-awareness. Okay, maybe self-awareness, I'm... I'm pretty aware, but at the Mecca of healing, not to say that I'm there, but oh my words, I have made so much progress. It's ridiculous. Like all of the shit times that I had to relieve things in therapy, I now know that it's worth it. And if I have to relieve them again as I go forward, I now have a much more open mind because I'm living the fruits of that. And it's, oh my word, it's just, it's freeing. It's so freeing. Please try tackling your demons head on. I know, I know they may seem very powerful, but we often forget how powerful we are as well. All right, let's jump to the song of the week. I picked this song because I didn't want to give you another Jamila Woods song. (laughs) Before you start thinking, I, what's happening? (laughs) Have you been paid? I absolutely love Jamila Woods so much. I love each and every song of hers. I think I have a huge crush on that woman. But no, this week's song is by Pink Sweats. And the name of the song is Low. It is such a beautiful declaration of love. I really love everything about the song. The only thing that I was like, I'm not too sure is there's a point where he talks about, well, the person he is singing to, wanting them to be his. So I think he's the word mine. I can't remember the full line. And I was just like, ah, pink. <laughs> you cannot own anyone. But the song is beautiful. And there's a point where the beat switches up halfway. <gasps> It blows my mind. I normally listen to this song while writing. And that particular point, I have to stop and like close my eyes and just listen to the beat. Ah, 
So I've put a link to it in the description of this episode. Make sure you go and check it out. Oh, speaking of links of things, I've also put a link to a short vlog I did during my writing retreat. Yeah, I know it took me like two months to do another video. <laughs> so if you check, <laughs> don't judge me, man. I didn't, I didn't say I'd do them often, but you can check the visuals for how my writing retreat went on my YouTube. I've put a link in the description of this episode. All right, let's jump into a hundred African stories. This story is from a listener of Legally Clueless who sent in their story demo. And then we recorded the story at a point last year. Again, it is about growing up in a violent home, which could be triggering. So if this is something that you cannot listen to right now, just pause and come back to it when you can. But it's it's such a powerful story. It's a story by Miriam. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Miriam. I was born in a small town called Nyahururu. Grew up there for most of my life. And then I moved to Nakuru when I was like, I guess 15, but I was in high school. So I don't even, I can't say I've lived in Nakuru. My childhood was normal for all of five years. I mean, I don't even remember having a normal childhood. The memory that I have, that's the first memory I have of my life kind of starting to fall apart. I was five. I remember this night I woke up and there was so much commotion in my house. Like I could hear my mom screaming and my dad shouting. I'm like, what's going on? So I get out of my bed. It was a double decker. So, you know, I'm small. I'm a really short person. So I'm just skipping out of my bed. I'm going outside and I, I met my dad like on the corridor. It was this long corridor. So he was like coming from his room and running towards the kitchen. I think my mom was already there at the time and he was bleeding. And my dad is bald. So I could see where he's bleeding from. It was this wound it was like a like a deep cut on his head and he told me that mom is trying to kill me and so i remember being so confused like what do you mean mom is trying to kill you but you're chasing after her so like i don't know i feel like you should be running away from her then we're chasing my mom we go to the kitchen and the kitchen had this hole in the window and i was looking i mean on the door and i was looking through the hole and my mom was frantic, like she's calling me, but she's like, oh my God, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's gone crazy. But then my dad is telling me that she tried to kill him. So I was so confused. I remember trying to find out who the villain was so I could pick a side because I didn't know if I should be my dad or should be my mom because my mom is calling the neighbor. So she must be the one who's aggrieved. Anyway, like that's the only memory I have of that day. I can't say it was resolved or what happened, but I remember that was the first time that something so weird happened. And then flash forward i'm not sure what age i am probably 10 and this day the only memory i have is in the sitting room and, and my dad is crying and he's telling my mom you know you can't take my kids from me and my mom is saying you know i'm leaving i have to go <laughs> and that's the first time i saw my dad crying and it was so uncomfortable for me i felt like it was something that i should not have seen it felt like i was seeing him naked because i expected that my dad was this guy who who's not supposed to cry. So he's crying. He's like, no, don't take my kids. And that's all he was saying. And when he said, don't take my kids, I felt like he was for us. And my mom was a villain in this situation. So when I'm telling my mom, I'm only 10. So my emotional range is only so high. Like, I'm just like, you know, if you go, don't ever come back. So at this point, I'm looked into this drama and my emotions are, his, are, are his, as hysterical as everyone else's. But I'm not even sure why I'm so hysterical. 
I'm like, go and never come back and I'm not even your kid anymore. And, you know, just anything a 10-year-old would say at that age. And I think it got to my mom because I saw, like, she kind of, she felt she felt something. I mean, I could see from her face. I think I've always been very attuned to people's emotions, so I could see what she was feeling. My memory is still a bit hazy about the situation, but I know that she did not leave because, anyway, I had packed my clothes in her suitcase. I just switched her clothes with mine so that if she left, she'd go somewhere and realize that, oops, I have the wrong clothes and we'd have to come back. So that was my master plan. Anyways, she didn't go. And I remember that evening we had guests, so we had to act like nothing happened. So that's just something else that kind of just went by. And I think it happened a couple more times. The nights I woke up and my dad had poured like hot water on my mom and she was screaming. And then when I get there, my mom is crying. She's like, why are you doing this to me? And then my dad would say something to me like, you know, she's pretending that she's this church woman. Ask her what she's done. And I'd ask my mom, like, what's wrong? And she'd be like, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know what's going on. So I used to be so confused about who the villain was. Like, But every night I used to, when I sleep, I used to wait for my dad to come home. And then I'd wake up and be ready for something to happen. And if something was to happen, I was going to run out of my room to, to protect my mom. Because anyway, even if it was my mom who was making him do all these things, I felt like she was the one who needed protection because she was always the one who was getting hurt, except for that one time where there was blood on his head. So I used I remember being so anxious, like my heart would beat. If the volume from the TV went up too high, I'd like try to to separate those sounds just to get to my mom's voice. You know, if, is she crying? Like, is she okay? How's the tone? And then I'd only sleep if they go to the, their room and, like, there were no voices. So the house had thin walls, so I could hear a majority of every, of what's, what was going on. So I'd just make sure that, you know, everything is quiet. And then I'd sleep. I'd be like, okay, we are safe for today. Then I'd do it the next day and the next day, like that. So that happened for a really long time. I mean, the countless times I really can't pinpoint but then so this one time when I was I think maybe 16 actually I was 17 had just finished um, high school and it was that period you know as you're waiting for your results so that you go go to campus this one night as usual so I'm just awake this time all my siblings are here I have two siblings a brother and a sister this one night my mom starts screaming like this time she's screaming seriously so obviously I dash from my room i go to the living room to protect her as usual and my dad is holding a stool and then he throws it at her so he just misses her and hits a wall and breaks when i looked at her she had these cornrows braided cornrows hair extensions and she had like four of them pulled off her skull so it's like you know cornrows have like your hair attached to them but now all of them are off her scalp and her scalp is bleeding. So like the hair was literally pulled from her scalp, like four of them at a go. And that area is bald and she's bleeding. And she was telling me, I can't see. I can't see. Her head was bleeding. She's like, I can't see. My head is really aching. He's going to kill me. And, you know, as in, I I was, I, I'm, I'm even trembling right now. Like I was so scared. Like I was sure that, Someone is going to die here like today and it's probably going to be my mom because of the way that 
stool had flown like from that other end of the room. Like I was sure today we are dying. And I don't know why my siblings and had not come down. I don't understand. Were they asleep? Were they I don't know. But I just remember it was me, my mom, and my dad. And my dad was standing over us. So me, I'm on the ground with my mom. I'm like, I, I haven't spoken a word yet. You know, my dad is like heaving and panting and he's so angry. His eyes are so red. So I st- I stood up in front of my mom and I told him, like, if you're going to get to her, you're going to have to go through me first. And at that point, like I was trembling and everything, but you couldn't like he couldn't tell it. You know, they usually say you, you say your truth even on your mouth. I mean, I mean, your voice is shaking. Yes, that's what I was doing. <laughs> he was like, get out of my way. I told him I'm not going anywhere. Like, if you want to kill her, you'll have to kill me first and kill all of us. You know, at least that point I'm using those words that my mom uses. You know, you're going to kill me. Like, you know... <sighs> I remember telling my mom, just go to my room, like I'm going to deal with him. And she actually went, like she 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 left the sitting room and she went to my room and I was left in the sitting room with my dad. And I was asking him, like, what is your problem? Why are you doing all these things? Like, what is wrong with you? And he's telling me, don't talk to me like that. I'm your dad. I'm telling him, I don't care whether you're my dad. You've hurt her. Like, you're not supposed to do it. And, you know, I'm trying to rationalize with him, but I really like he was drunk and, you know, he was not at a point to reason with me. So I just left the room and went to my to my bedroom where my mom was that night i think my mom was she was just i think at the end of it and i remember she was talking to me and telling me all these things that i didn't know you know i think she confided in me like in a way she'd never confided in me before so she's telling me stuff like i started my business and he usually just comes and takes money from the business and goes to drink and he doesn't want me to prosper like i was I used to be a principal at this school and he came home and beat me so much and forced me to resign from my job because he was, you know, at the time they were having the same job. They were both teachers. So because she had a higher ranking than him, he wanted her to quit. And she said, you know, I wanted to start doing my master's, but he was so mad about it. Like I'd saved for it and he was so mad about it. And instead he took the money and started doing his MBA. And I was telling her, just leave him. And she told me, you know, I can't leave him. I've used all this money to to invest in this situation. Basically, Basically, that day I felt like I think when I look back, I think that's the day that I became an adult. Like it's like that's the day when it switched for me. I don't I can't be a kid anymore. Like the things that my mom is telling me right now, I think this is stuff that adults ideally should talk about. I mean, that's what I thought at the time. So I convinced her that night and I told her, you know, mom, you can't stay here. Like, you know, you'll die and then, you know, you can't even take care of us the way you're saying that you need to. She was saying, you know, I'm staying for you guys. Like, I can't afford to live with just you and your brother and your sister. Like, and all this money I've put in this situation. And so she cried actually all night. Like, she was trembling. She was crying. Like, I was just there for her and she was telling me, he's so bad to me. He's all these things and you know he's even taken my phone right now and crashed it so i can't call anyone so it was a really helpless situation like that's the worst feeling i've ever had like my mom was down and i remember telling her you have to leave like you have to leave i don't care what you're going to do just leave me here you can take my sister was really young at that time i think she was three years i told her you can take my sister and go with her just leave me and my brother like i'll figure it out and she was like okay so i actually convinced her to leave like i was telling her you know you're stronger than you think you know, and all those things you tell your friend, basically, I was telling my mom, like, you don't deserve this, like, you can do it on your own, you don't have to be here. So the next day, my dad went to work, and my mom also went to work, but she came back home at around lunchtime, and I helped her pack all her stuff. We put them in, like, 
this huge suitcase and my sister's stuff. So she took a bike and she left. So she went, she was going to her home in Embo. So she took her stuff and left. And it's like, it was just like a, it's like a movie. Like just when she'd left, like 20 minutes later, my dad came home and he's asking, where's your mom? And I'm telling him, what do you mean? So this time, like I'm buying her time to get to the stage and, you know, get a matatu, like public means of transport, you know, and go back to Embo. So he comes home and he's telling me, where's your mom? And I'm saying, I don't know what you're talking about. So he goes to his bedroom. He realizes there are no clothes. So I'm trembling. I know like this is going to be war. But I'm like, by the time like he starts hitting me, like by the time he's done, she'll have already gotten in the mat and she'll be on her way to Embu. And I'm not telling him where I'm not telling him where she's gone. She'll have to tell him herself. So if I'm dying today, I'm dying, but I'm not telling him where she's gone. So he comes back and now he's trying to intimidate me. So he's telling me, I'm going to beat the hell out of you if you don't tell me where your mother is. And I told him, just beat me. And at this time, I have this, you know, I have a lot of arrogance because I was mad. Like I was, I was like, you're not going to do whatever you want, but you're not getting to my mom. So, you know, he's like, he's, you know, they say, unanguruma, like he's just roaring like a lion and trying to intimidate me is like oh tell me where she is or i'm going to do what and what and he's starting to throw things around and i'm just there i'm like do whatever you want so he realized that i'm not budging so he left the house so it was just me and my brother and that's the first time my mom had left money in a some cup we used to put money for like buying food and stuff she'd left me like 500 bob and i remember that's the first time i thought what are we going to have for supper? It had never crossed my mind before. I didn't even know it's a thing that people think about. It's the most stressful thing I ever thought about. Like, it used to stress me. So I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to have? I went and bought some dengus. What are they called? Lentils, I guess. Lentils. And then boiled them and had them with... I made some rice and made left some rice for my dad. But the food was terrible. I don't know. I had never had to cook seriously before. I used to just warm food. So that food was just so bad. I think I have PTSD to this day. I still just... When I try to cook, I'm just traumatized. Because I'm like, oh my God. If this comes out the way that food came out, like... Anyway, so I made the food left food for my dad. So I had to come and open the door for him when he came at night at around midnight. So I used to, I was opening the door when I hear like the gate is opening and the car is coming in. So I'm doing it like superwoman here. I'm serving the food, putting it on the, I just don't want him to find me in the living room because I'm afraid of the war or something. So I just put everything on the table. I open the door, make sure it's open, like just leave everything there so that when he comes in, everything is there. He does not have to bother me or anything. And then I'd be in my bed like trembling, just waiting for him to be like, this food is terrible, this food is disgusting and stuff like that and come beat me up. But it didn't happen. I don't know, it just never happened. My mom was gone for a while. And then just one day, I think it was like maybe two weeks, she came back and I was so mad. I was so mad. I felt that... She could have found any other option, so many other options. You know, I would have rather been poor than have stayed like in that situation. And I think that's when I started resenting my mom. I felt that she let me down is what I can say. Because I felt like I gave so much of myself to that situation. Like I experienced so much trauma and just... I had to grow up so quickly. Like my ugali, I had struggled so much to make ugali. I had struggled to think about what to eat. When will my brother take a shower? When will this happen? When will this happen? Only for her to go 
and just bluff and then come back I was mortified. I can't believe this. So from that point onwards, I was just like, if I leave this house, I am never coming back. Like you deal with your own issues. I've tried my best to help you. Like I've put myself on the line for you. I've done everything I feel like was possible for me to do. I've even taken care of my brother. I gave you the most, the most encouraging motivational speech I could have given you at my age and you've still come back and let me down like this i'm just done i'm done with you so yeah i left home for campus i was there for a while like life was good and everything the only time i experienced this stuff was when i had to go home for my long hauls and even then i always tried to find something to do like a job or something that would keep me occupied but obviously this stuff still happened sometimes when we were home because my dad didn't change he just lied like he, he was forced to i guess to pay dowry again or something of the sort and then my mom had to come back i think that's how it happens here you just go home your husband is fine and then you just go back so um when i was 21 i'd gone home for christmas so school had closed it was around it was december for sure but it was not christmas yet and i was just home minding my own business at this point like i was trying to detach from my parents as much as possible I was trying not to listen to their conversations. If my dad came drunk, home drunk, I'd just close my ears and use my pillow just so that I don't have to hear and not have to care. But I cared because if something, if I had a third, like I would remove my pillow just to make sure it was not my mom who's maybe dropped dead or something of the sort. Anyway, so one day my mom had left. She left at around nine. And by the way, at the time, like I was having my own issues. I was 21. I had a boyfriend who I felt I was in love with and like our relationship was crumbling so i felt like my life was crumbling i think i was just having so many issues at that time i just wanted to be in my bed and you know text my friend and just cry about my boyfriend so my mom left at 9 a.m she just had breakfast and she left everything on the table and then she came back at around noon and i had not left my bed so everything that she'd left on the table at that time was still on the table so she came to my room fuming she's like you know, what kind of girl are you? How did you come to the living room and get all this stuff out? ETC, ETC. She called me to the living room and was like, the shoes are not wiped. The kitchen is not clean. All this stuff is not clean. All Like, she's just, you know, how moms are. I guess not how moms are, but how my mom was. I told her, you know, mom, I have not even left my room today. Like, I'm not even okay. I've not left my room. And anyway... It's you who left this stuff like this. Like, I don't know why you're so mad at me for, for, like, you left it like this. I've not added anything. So why are you so mad at me for it? And I think it triggered her. I'm not sure. Till today, I'm not sure if it was reasonable or rude. But I remember she got so triggered. And at that time, I had already started wiping the shoes that she was mad at me for. And from wherever she was, she threw, I don't remember what she did. She threw something at me. Before it even landed, she came to me and started slapping me. She was telling me, you won't talk to me like that. ETC, ETC, this is my house. So she started beating me up. And I was shocked. Like, I was in shock. My mom had never, like, attacked me like that. She started telling me stuff like, you know, I had confided in her about stories about you know, how I did not want to go live with my relatives because all these bad things that happened, they'd been mistreating me, they'd been making me do stuff that a house help should do, or they'd said bad stuff about me. So she started telling me things like, this is why nobody wants to live with you, like you're so irresponsible and dirty. And, you know, at that time I'd gotten an internship. She's like, you think you're a genius now because you've gotten an internship here. You think you're this and this, you think you're better than everyone, you think because you can speak English, you can tell me what you want to tell me, you think, Yanni, 
she just told me a lot of bad things and she she literally went on a rant you know <laughs> and she said you think now because you have a little money you're making you because you're going to college you're important and then she started saying miss genius now from that point she was calling me miss genius as she's insulting me and when she was done i looked at her and asked her like how insecure do you have to be to tell your own child these things and again i repeat i'm not sure if it was disrespectful or just reasonable because like how she reacted after that like wow i mean i'm just lucky i'm alive at this point she's taking the water the water that i'm using to wipe the shoes and pouring it on me she's telling me i will kill you before you get out of this house who do you think you are to speak to me like this and i told her you know what i don't even want to be here like i don't want this violence this this is not something that should be happening to me i did not ask for any of these things and it's like in that moment everything that i had held in about all the stuff that my mom had put me through and the resentment that i had for her staying just came bubbling out and you know my family it's always been so hysterical like during these arguments everyone is so hysterical and crying and shouting and screaming so here i am doing the same thing i'm like you know this is just the worst thing that a child can go through i asked you to leave and you came back like i did all these things for you and here you are like why would you do that to me and now you're putting me through the stuff that you went through and me I didn't ask for any of these things i don't have to be here this is just terrible i don't want any violence in my life so i was hysterical and i'm telling her i'm leaving and i'm never coming back like i'm going and i'm going now so i went to my room and i'm packing my stuff and my mom is following me and she's still insulting me she's like who do you think you are where do you think you're going i'm telling her i have my own money i'm making my own rent at that time in campus we used to do this writing jobs that you to give us money so i used to i could afford like 6000 for rent for my bed sitter so i used to pay my own rent i'm like i don't even need i don't have to be here she said telling me you're sleeping with men for money and acting like you know it's your money and i was so mad like the insults just kept coming i'm telling her just keep talking i'm leaving and i'm leaving now and i was packing my stuff so now <laughs> So my brother is is has come there now right, right now I remember my brother's existence in all of this I think he's a teenager now he's telling me just calm down like all of you just calm down and I'm like I'm not coming down I have to leave this place like who do you think you are to hit me what have I ever done for you to hit me like why are you letting out your stresses and your life and your So at this point I even started insulting her back. I'm like you and your fucked up life are coming to me and putting all your stresses on me. Why would you hit me? Why would you beat me like this is why would you talk to me like this? I'm your child. So I got to the door and this time now my mom is blocking the door. She tell me you're not going anywhere. Like what do you mean? I'm 21. I can leave. Get out of my way. Let me go. She's like you're not going anywhere. So it's become really ugly. And now I start pushing her out. So at this point I'm really hysterical. I feel like every emotion in my body is getting out and I just want to leave just let me go and the more she's telling me you can't go the more i want to go like get out of my way so i start pushing her and she starts pushing me back and then she calls my dad and she says your i think your daughter needs psychiatric help i think she's mad and it threw me off the edge i just remember telling her how can you see that i'm mad do you know the things that i've gone through because of you like do you know like it's like all the stuff that's in my my heart is bubbling out now and i still i'm not sure if it's irrational or it's warranted 
but I am just busting out like this is not happening. How can you say I'm crazy right now? Are you serious? After what you've just hit me, you've thrown what I'm wet because you've been pouring dirty water on me. You, I don't know what that first thing she threw was. I still don't know. You've been insulting me. You've told me I sleep with men for money while well, I work my ass off just to make sure that you don't even have to give me a lot of money. You've been and you're telling me I'm crazy. So my dad is like, I'm coming. Me, I'm relentless at this point. I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm hysterical. I just want to get out of this place and never come back. So my dad comes. And I'm always afraid of my dad. Like when he comes, I can stand up to him. But I will be shaking. So he comes home. I don't think he was far. He says, where do you think you're going? I'm like, I'm going to my place. I'm never coming back. And he's acting so reasonable. He's like, why? I told him because... Mama's just hit me. She's been insulting me because I didn't wipe the table and didn't wash dishes. She went on a rant and started insulting me. She told me that I sleep with men for money. She's told me all these things and I can't handle it. And me, no one has ever hit me. Mom will not be the first person to hit me because of such stuff, etc. Then my dad said, okay, okay. If that's what you want, then that's okay. So just take your stuff and leave. I'm like, cool. So right now it's 6 p.m. So I pack my, I take my things already packed. I wear my shoes. I'm like, hey, thank God. Like, this is the most rational human being I've come across. Like, thank you, Jesus. So I take myself. I'm like, whew, I can just go. I'm going to figure it out. At a, even school fees. I'm going to find school fees for myself. I don't need any of this. I'm 21. I'm an adult. I'll figure it out. I mean, in the movies, people usually leave their homes when they're 17. I can do this. I'm fine. So I'm walking on this. There's this road that you walk to and then get to like a tarmac where I can take a you know, Matatu, public transport, and then go to town and take another uh, another Matatu to Nairobi. So right now I'm in Nakuru. So I'm just walking. I'm still crying, thinking about the stuff that has happened. Then I hear my dad calling me. So I look back and I see my dad and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not happening. No, 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 no. So I start, like, I'm increasing my pace. So he's like, Miriam. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I don't even want to look back. So I'm walking, I'm walking. And then I look back and he's, no, he's running. <laughs> so I start running as well. I'm like, this is not happening. So then my dad, my dad is like, he's, he has like this big stomach because of his, this pot belly because of alcohol. So he can't catch me. If he's going to run after me, he's not going to catch me. But now what he did, there was someone who had a bike. This is literally like a movie. There was someone who had a bike right there. So he, he told the guy to give him the bike so he could chase after me properly. He's chasing after me on a bike, and I can't outrun the bike. <laughs> so I was like, let me just stop. Let me just stop. So I stopped. He's like, go back home. I asked him, but you just told me to leave. Then he's telling me, I'm not going to talk to you. Just go back home right now before I hit you. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere with you. He says, don't argue with me because I'm going to beat you in front of all these people. So at this moment, some people have already come out. And it's starting to look like I'm just this teenager who's causing a scene. But me, I know what has gone, what has happened. My dad has just told me you can leave. And now he's chasing after me with a bike telling me to go back or he's going to hit me. I told him I'm not going anywhere. Then he slapped me. I saw stars. You know, in <laughs> in, <laughs> in cartoons, really, someone is slapped and then there are these stars that just go around your head. That's exactly what happened to me. Like, I couldn't see. I just saw, like, stars. And I realized, okay. And it was so heavy. His hand is so heavy. I realized I can't... I can't, I can't argue with him. Like, I'm not winning. I can't. So I just went back home with him. 
you can imagine like i'm crying i'm hysterical i feel so helpless i'm 21 i should have the right to live i should be able to go no one should hit me this should not be happening to me so i go back home i'm told you know if you want to leave you won't leave now you leave tomorrow morning because now it's 6 p.m if you go out there and get killed and one of those things it's going to be on me and i'm asking how is it going to be on you i'm 21 like if i get killed like if you didn't kill me no one is going to come for you but my dad is any reasoning is just not allowed it's just what i would say so i felt so helpless i felt like my rights were being infringed on but who do you call in kenya when your rights are being infringed on you're 20 like who who's going to help you anyway so that night i don't think i slept i was just crying the whole night i was legit depressed i just i was feeling trapped i was feeling like i can't even leave it's not even an option to leave like it's like stay here the next morning i woke up they thought that i was done and i was like all right it's morning you told me that i could go in the morning i'm ready to go so my dad <laughs> so called my grandma so they're calling everyone who can't talk to me and these are people who don't even have a history of what i've gone through no one is validating my feelings no one understands everyone is acting like i am being irrational in fact the story at this point has changed to i want to go get married i don't know how it got there but yeah that's what it is at this point like i want to go and live with some boy who wants to marry me so everyone every adult who's being called is telling me you know like stopping rebellious and all these things and i'm just like this is not that's not what's happening and if, even if it was i'm 21 just leave me alone my dad told me so when i was still i was still like no i just want to go in a moment he told me okay what we are going to do i'm going to go we are going to go to the police station and i'm going to we are going to sign that i am no longer your guardian so that if you go out there and something happens no one will come for me i mean i'm over 18 if something happens to me, like nobody cares whether you're my guardian or not. But it's like, no, 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 no. We'll have to go to the police station. We'll write everything off. We'll say that you want to go and that will be it. And I said, fine. Like at this point, I was willing to do whatever it took for me to just leave these premises and go. Because honestly, I was just overwhelmed. I think like I had gotten to the brink of everything, um, to the end of everything. So I go there. <laughs> I should have known that something was wrong when I saw my dad talking to the police people and like shaking hands with them. And I thought that this was supposed to be a really somber moment. You know, we are just going there to sign up, to sign off, like you've disowned me and all that stuff so I can leave. But like, it looks like you're so cordial with these people. I don't understand. So I go there and I'm given a book and I'm told this is where you're going to sign that you know, you are no longer in his custody, you see. And you know, some things, you don't think about some things. You know, even if something just does not make sense, there are things that will not cross your mind because first of all, it's just unfathomable. So me, I'm signing there, I'm like, Miriam, and I'm like, what date is it? What time is it? And I'm like, wow, like we even know so that nobody will come back and be like, at this time, specific, specific time, you are still in your father's custody. Me, I'm just signing. I'm like, yes, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. When I'm done signing, I'm told, all right, give me your phone, your watch, remove your shoes. I'm like, why? Why am I removing my stuff? He's like, so you know, <laughs> Kenyan cops are not your friends. So I'm telling them, why do you want my stuff? I'm not giving you my things. So he starts saying, I'm not playing with you. Choosing away, I'm Chana. Don't disrespect me. I'm like, how am I disrespecting you? I'm asking you, why are you taking my stuff away? And you know, it's like the angrier you get, it's like your objectivity is, is questioned by you being hysterical. 
you know it's like the more annoyed you get the more guilty you are i'm like no i'm not giving you my stuff like why what are you arresting me for like what is going on right now so obviously i'm resisting i'm like leave me alone like give me back my stuff so now they are taking it by force and a woman has been called because apparently now i'm fighting it so a woman needs to be there so that you know i won't be touched inappropriately or something of the sort and the woman now is roughing me up like she's slapping me and telling me bring your stuff at don't play with us we are not your age mates so they are taking my stuff and they threw me in a cell and they locked it and like i i can't even you know <laughs> sorry i can't even tell you how it feels and it's just a long it's so dark and it's like the ceilings are so high i don't understand why and it's locked and it's, it's wet on the floor and it's locked you know <laughs> And it's like I just want to leave this place. Like I just want to leave my parents. I feel like they're the worst thing that has ever happened to me. But now I'm in a cell, <laughs> and so I'm trying to look back at you know. I'm trying to think you know. Um, is it because I resisted? Is it because like I refused to give my phone? But then I'm like, why did I even give my phone in the first place? And then it dawns on me that actually, what happened? I was not coming here to sign that. I was not coming here to sign that my dad is no longer in my custody. I was actually being put in this cell by my dad like that's why we came here since it was premeditated and all that stuff you know and like when i realized that, that is what had happened i started crying like it broke my heart i felt my heart i felt like my chest was in pain like it broke my heart you know i've been even that boyfriend issue that i was having was nothing like i think i'd move like when this happened <laughs> There's no pain that would have made me feel pain besides the pain of knowing that actually what happened today, my dad brought me here and put me in a cell. And I've had stories of like boys being in fights with their with their parents and their dads and their dads just putting them in a cell. And I just hear like, okay, what physical threat have I had? Like I'm even rationalizing, like maybe even simply by mere fact of being a lady, which I know is wrong. I should not even be here in the first place, but here I am. And my mom is outside there and my dad is outside there. And I just, I don't know what is going through their minds. Oh God. So I just cried and cried and cried. As in just thinking how it was so humiliating. As in there was other people outside there. I'm just being carried in. I'm resisting it. And in that moment, you feel like, you know, I've seen it happen to other people. And, you know, most people usually ask, like, why are you just resisting? Have a cordial conversation. You can't have a cordial conversation when your rights are being severely, like, they're just in... It's like you have nothing for yourself. You have no say. You have no say for your well-being. You have no say for what you deserve. You can't leave. You can't leave your parents. And now you're in a cell. So I think he got what he wanted out of it. He got me out of there for after like 30, 30 to 45 minutes. I'm not sure exactly because I was in there for a long time. I got out and he was outside there. My brother was now crying. It's like, you shouldn't have done that to her. It's not right. But... I think when I got out of that cell, my fight was over. I wasn't going to fight them anymore. Like, I noticed that it's a losing battle, you know? I mean, I, I thought that I could reason with people and, like, rationalize and tell them I don't deserve, this is not right, I have the right, I have this, this, this. I realized I can't, I can't do it. So I just kept quiet. They asked for my phone password. I don't know what they were trying to do. So at this point, they were convinced that the only reason I'm trying to leave is because I'm trying to go do something, maybe get married. So they're trying to get evidence. They're looking for, like, texts of boyfriends and calls and all that stuff and i'm just wondering like is it that you're not hearing me are you in denial what is wrong with you like how can you not see that this is all your fault like why are you looking for fault for me i've not done anything and you know it but you know they're just trying to 
they even like she's she needs psychiatric help she needs what it's just the worst thing it's the worst feeling ever anyway i gave up my fight i was like i'm going to do whatever you want it's okay so i went home i looked up where to report police i didn't know it was called police brutality at the time but right now i know at that time i was looking for where to report you if your rights are infringed on or unlawful arrest yeah i think it was i was searching where to report unlawful arrests i called my cousin who's a lawyer i'm like where can i report where can i sue what can i do i called a couple of places but nothing came out of it so i was going to voicemail someone is telling me just tell me the name of the police station and what and what but i don't think anyone was taking it seriously i even tried to report to like a child's rights movement or something i got someone to talk to but then i i'm not a child it was just a weird space because no one considers me a child but no one is treating me like an adult so like what am i and i'm also in prison so am i a kid or am i an adult and what is happening because my parents put me there so is it a child who's been put in jail or <laughs> it was just the worst anyway so i stayed there christmas came and went i was full blown depressed at this point i'm not talking to anyone i'm not eating <laughs> i think the guilt was setting in for them and they were trying to bring me food and all that stuff but i was just over it i was just over it like over it next year came january came and i was going back to school now so i just packed my stuff they are trying to act like everything is okay you know when you go back to school read well do all these things but i knew that the minute i walk out of this door i am never ever coming back ever but i didn't want to talk about it because if i did they probably lock me in with bad locks and lock me in a cell the same way they did the previous time so i didn't say a thing and i left school and i didn't go back home ever <laughs> until one day my mom came to where i used to stay to my bed sitter that she was saying i was sleeping with men for to apologize because i'd not been talking to them i'd not gone to, so she was trying to apologize to me but the thing is that she came and she's trying to hug me and i was so traumatized i didn't want to go near her and she was saying what is wrong what has gone into you are they demons why are you acting like this and it, i realized that she did not come to apologize from a point of i was wrong she just came to i'm not even sure what she came to do because she was still treating me with zero acknowledgement of the things that I had said she'd done and, and even all that stuff she went through it was just she just came there for the guilt to try to repair a relationship without having to take up any responsibility to take any responsibility for the stuff that she'd done so she just left i don't think it did anything for me to date my relationship with my parents is just of i call them on obligation if i have to but i rarely go home i just check up on my siblings every now and then i separated myself from all of that stuff and i can say i don't like my parents for sure like i'm comfortable with saying it i don't like them i don't want a relationship with them i'm cordial with them but i gave up on trying to make them understand what they put me through i i gave up on trying to solve their problems gave up on being invested in my mom's well-being and all that stuff i thought it's been a couple of years it's been 5 years now and the only thing that happened was just last week my siblings called me telling me oh 
dad just beat up mom, confused. We don't know what's going on. I think this is the first time it's happened to them when they were so confused. And my sister right now is 11 and she was texting me saying that I'm not emotionally okay. And you know, I'd separated myself from that so much. I thought maybe it's something that I can just heal from and never have to think about. But it just came back to me in the form of now worrying about my siblings and what it's going to do for the, to them because I know how how damaging that was for me. And just hearing them saying all that stuff made me, it broke my heart because I wish I could do so many things, but I know that I don't want to cause any friction between my parents by saying, let them come live with me or I, I don't want to make their life miserable. I did not call my mom at all to find out how she was doing or what was, I think I gave up on that I felt like she let me down by having to come back anyway. So I called my dad and told him that this is what my siblings are saying. My brother is telling me he's depressed. He's 19 and he's telling me, I, uh, he's 20 right now, and he's telling me I can't do this. This is too much for me. And my sister is 11 and she's saying I'm not emotionally okay because of things that you're doing. Like, just handle your stuff. Can you just do the right thing? Because this is spilling over to me and I'm just trying to live my life right now. I'm trying to move on. Yeah, but I think that I'll probably never move on until, actually, until maybe one of them dies because <laughs> I know that even when my siblings move out and I know that they're no longer being in the presence of that, I think about my mom, like, is he finally going to kill her the way she usually says? And I know that my dad will not do anything when people know. So what's going to happen when it's just him and her in that house? And it's sad that I have actually accepted that maybe one of them is going to die someday as a result of that. And I've come, I've made my peace with it because I can't carry the weight of thinking that I have to do something about it because I have tried and just broke me. And even now, I'm still healing from those things. Like, relationships I'm trying to build, they are littered with so much of that madness. The way I react to things, sometimes I'm hysterical for no reason. Sometimes I, I think that I have to resort to some drastic measures to solve problems. I have, I, I think I have hope to recover, but I'll see. If I had my way, I know, I know that it is, it is my responsibility and it's my choice, but I think that I would be a good mom, but I'm afraid that, I'm afraid to put my kid through things because I have gone through stuff. I'm afraid of the heart that I have to spill over to my kids and then they would have to recover from me as opposed to thriving from the stuff that I've, I've taught them. So I, I'm still at a space where I'm trying to figure out if it's something I really, really want. Because I know the fact is that I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to have children. But if I ever come to a point where I feel like, okay, maybe I can do it, I will. The other day I was talking to someone and I was trying to put it across that people have to go to driving school to get a license to drive a car but you're allowed to have a kid. And I was trying to express that I feel like so many people are not ready to have kids, but they're just having children. This was on thought that I was just afraid to have kids for career purposes. But I'm saying, what about how you raise? Are you even ready? Like, are you healed enough to have a kid? You're going to make your kid suffer, like trying to just be stable because you are not stable enough to have them. And they didn't even ask to be there. So people should just take their time. As I've grown, I've realized that there are some things that can push people to to react in certain ways because maybe of the heart that they've gone through. Over time, I've been trying to understand 
my dad maybe and my mom because the situations that I've found myself in where I've reacted in a way that I didn't think I would react before. I know now, like I'm aware of my actions, but maybe they were not. Maybe they did not take time to heal from the stuff that they went through because I tried to relive, to live my mom's life as a kid and she came from a worse situation. You know, maybe she had she has higher tolerance <laughs> or she's willing to tolerate you know what was going on because where she came from was worse so i've also been trying to understand where they came from and what was going on with them i don't excuse their actions but i understand that as a result of heart you can do things that you would not ideally have done if you had healed catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless I told Miriam this, but I'll just repeat it. I am so thankful that she shared her story. It's such, it's so powerful. It's such an important story. And I know it's not easy to be that vulnerable. So I'm so, so thankful to her. I'm also thankful on a deeper level because that was my lived reality for a few years until my mom left my dad i think she left him when i was in what class five class six but my dad was super abusive like physically abusive and the anxiety that would come when i'd hear his horn like when he comes home in the evening whew, it was intense because i'd just be thinking imagine at that age like will he be violent today or will it be a peaceful night trying to broker deals with god like please just let him be peaceful and i'll make sure i'll do abcd and i am so thankful that my mother left him it was such a huge act of love for herself first and then a huge act of love for my sisters and I. When I look back, I'm just like, I am so thankful she left him. I don't know about other countries, but here we normalized violent homes so much. And we ignore the effects it has not only on the spouse getting abused, but on, on the kids. So like I remember once in therapy when it came up that I people are always like oh you're 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 never angry <laughs> which is just a lie you're always smiling I'm very scared of anger and this came up in therapy I'm scared of anger I'm scared of confrontation and so if somebody wrongs me I will either just cut them off by the way blocking people and cutting people off is the easiest thing for me to do once i see we're heading in a place that's going to end in confrontation and anger i'm like wait 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 <laughs> block 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 i'm laughing about it but in therapy it did come up and i remember my therapist telling me you know you can communicate that someone has made you angry or has done something that made you angry, you can communicate that without it being abusive. For me, anger was synonymous with abuse, violence, confrontation, yelling, screaming, just a mess. And so I just stay away from that emotion. And obviously a couple of other things. But yeah, as I'm saying, like we, we don't really talk about the effects those environments have on the kids. So I just hope everything works out all right for Miriam's siblings who are still in that environment. But remember, you can share your story as well on the podcast, the Legally Clueless hotline is in the description of this episode. On WhatsApp, you can record a one-minute story demo telling me a bit about the story you want to share and then send it to the hotline, which is plus 254-768-628-790. And then we will 
figure out a day to record. I'm so happy I'm back to recording stories. I have a story I'm recording tomorrow and it's by someone in South Africa. So that's always really great because then you draw parallels between my Kenyan experience, their South African experience, or maybe even learn a bit more about their culture. So yeah, excited to be back to recording stories. And if you stumble across something that you relate with on this podcast, or that has made you feel a certain way, or maybe you just want to send some happy 100th episode messages my way. because that's where we're heading you can record an audio note as well and send it to the same legally clueless hotline number hi adele my name is bianca and first of all let me just say i am super excited that we're at episode 97 i'm already counting down to episode 100 i'm so excited and proud of you secondly i was thinking today and i was just trying to tell myself of all these 97 stories which one is my favorite and imagine i could not narrow down to one because i feel like from all those stories i've just have a different and totally new approach to life and to the journeys that we all go through and they all have impacted me in a certain way i was like yeah baby girl you don't need to settle on one specific story it's okay if you can't find a favorite that's a good thing it means that you learned from all those stories and you picked up lessons and then now on today's episode which is episode 97 nancy's story wa simia was fascinated her story was so powerful in the sense that you would look at someone and think that everything is rosy and all but again deep down they are also fighting their own battles the thing that stood out for me in that story is that despite everything that she was going through nancy always showed up for herself and i think that's so powerful like i really loved it i know in this lead up to the 100th episode i'm really excited about it initially i'd wanted to have an event but then the new directives actually forbid public gatherings and then when i thought about it further it just felt like it would not be responsible of me to put you in that space as well so i had to change the plans but ah, i'm super excited about what's gonna happen on the 8th of february when the 100th legally clear this episode goes out ah i'm just so excited i'm so excited i need to end this here before i i i give out anything that's meant to be a nice surprise but i also need to end this here because remember my new askari he has started his toros right under the window of this recording room and then there's my other neighbor who has been mowing his lawn from like 9 a.m i don't know i don't know what's happening i need to move out of nairobi this noise i cannot but in the meantime remember you can catch this podcast on trace radio every monday wednesday and friday at 9 a.m and at 8 p.m that's if you're in kenya if you're not in kenya this podcast also plays on trace play and of course new episodes every single monday that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode